We seem to live in a culture that places such a high value on pursuing wealth and platform and fame, but yet scripture warns us against how all of those things are temporary. And instead, God wants us to pursue things that are eternal. So we're going to talk about that today and unpack Psalm 49. I pray it's a blessing for you. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach. And I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand his will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I have a quick word. I know that you have been frustrated with being confident in how to tell the difference between hearing from God and wondering if it's your own voice. I know, I've been there myself. That's why I wrote the Bible study, She Hears, Learning to Listen to Jesus. This is a six-week study that takes you through the book of John, looking at six women in the life of Jesus, how he calls them, how he encourages them, how he equips them. It also teaches the color method of Bible study, helping you to learn how to really understand the scriptures. I also include a lot of cultural and historical information that makes these familiar passages of scripture really come alive. This is a great study to do with maybe your teen girls or a group of friends from church, and it will really help you gain confidence in how to hear from the Lord and set you up with some tools that will stay with you long after the study is over. Again, head to shehears.org and you can find the Bible study on the resources page. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are reading through Psalm 49, starting with verse 1. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named the land after themselves. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. 
Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend in him, with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers, who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Now this psalm, which is written by the sons of Korah, really focuses on why it's essentially useless to trust in riches or anything else that this world has to offer because of one reason, really, essentially, none of it will last. It's all temporary. So here the psalmist is describing the downfall, really, of those who are measuring their lives by how much they have or how much they earn or what they can do or how well they're known, their platform, really. But he rejoices because those who live to accomplish God's plans will experience the fullness of life after they pass from this world. And there's so much encouragement we can take. Uh, so much of this, even at face value, we can understand this message loud and clear. Now, that's a theme we're going to see throughout this psalm. And Psalm 49 has typically been classified as a wisdom psalm, largely for that reason. It is giving to us some scriptural wisdom that we can live our, our lives by. So there is a whole section of psalms that are called wisdom psalms, which we will get into a little bit later. But one of the things about this psalm that I particularly like is that it it's one of those psalms that I think very clearly deals with this question that is something that we have a tension around. So it's this idea of um, the wicked prospering or like the bad people getting blessed and then the suffering of the righteous. And that is something, I don't know about you, but I definitely still uh, struggle with that a little bit. It's a tension that, that we talked about back in Psalm 37. And um, again, we're going to see it in Psalm 73, where this psalm, it begins by addressing all peoples, but the two kind of don't have a lot in common. I mean, there is the the people group of the wicked and then also the people group of, of the suffering. And while it seems the wicked are flourishing, the righteous are suffering. There is not a quote-unquote doctrine or theology of immortality in the Old Testament per se. Um, but what we have here in the Psalms is this idea and this theme of always living in God's presence. And so we hear about the theme of life back in Psalm 16. We hear about the psalm of, uh, the theme of death, which is often expressed in terms of like Sheol. Sheol is another word for hell um, back in Psalm 6. So in Psalm 49 and some of the other Psalm texts, we start to have an understanding of this doctrine of eternal life. And what it's doing is it's setting the stage for us to have an understanding, a better understanding for that later in the New Testament. So what it's talking about, what the take that this psalm is taking is it's really talking about the shortness of life and this longing for permanence and a real desire to be in God's presence, not just temporarily, but permanently, both before and after death. So that's really um, the overarching theme 
of this psalm that we're going to kind of see as we go through a couple of these points, we're going to kind of see that that is this, um, that both the tension of the, the wicked and then also this longing for something more permanent is what's going to come into play throughout this psalm. From the beginning, um, in verse one, let me read it. Hear this, all you peoples, listen, all who live in this world, both high and low. Uh, well, and it goes on to say rich and poor alike. So it's, it's addressing, like I said, all people. And sometimes the Psalms will address all of humanity because it's doing that on the basis of, of Yahweh as king over all. But here what's happening is the Psalmist is calling out in the name of wisdom. And so there was kind of this universal appeal of wisdom because if you read in some of the other ancient Near Eastern texts, one of the things you will always see is wisdom literature. It's kind of like an internationally shared form of content. And the wisdom literature across the ancient Near East was something that was integrated into their society. Now, the kind of wisdom that you would read about in each culture would be different, of course. We're talking about God's wisdom. But there was a, a universal seeking wisdom. And, you know, that's not something that's unfamiliar to us. I think that we recognize that as a culture and as a society, but it was really prevalent in the writings at, at the time. And um, so if we're talking about this in terms of other nations, there is this idea that we see not just in Israel, but also in the other countries or nations around Israel at the time that there is a, kind of like a merger between both religious devotion and then natural wisdom. And we see that kind of playing out as we're talking about keeping Yahweh first and foremost and this longing for something eternal, but also looking at the wisdom of what it means to um, deal with our finances in a healthy and appropriate way while we are here on earth. I want to point out something down starting in verse seven. No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. The quest for immortality was something that was a big concern for the Eastern, I'm sorry, ancient Near Eastern culture. So it was something that they were constantly seeking after. It's kind of like, you know, you'll, you'll see it culturally represented in things like, uh, even Indiana Jones and, or, um, the, the secret to everlasting life is like a popular theme in fiction books and movies and things like that. But, but that's really based on this idea that for the ancients, this constant quest for eternal life was something that they were very, very much concerned of. Um, some of the other ancient writings, even like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which goes back to like 1800 BC, talks about it where there's this quest for eternal life or immortality. And um, the, the writings that are represented in that topic are vast to the point where we can obviously tell that this was something that was a pressing thing. And, and if you think about it, you know, their life expectancy back then was really young. Um, you know, for the most part, they were still pretty vibrant and healthy 
when they were young, but then it would be like disease that would take them out or battle or, you know, war, those kinds of things. And then when it's going into verses 10 and 11, let me read it for all who can see that men wise men die the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others their tombs will remain their houses forever their dwellings for endless generations though they had named lands after themselves what they're they're facing is the reality that death overcomes everyone regardless of how much money you have regardless of your station in life regardless of um how adorned or how fancy the tomb would be it still was there as a result of someone dying. And um, this is a song. It's a, it's a hymn. Um, It adds to this idea that death will come for each one of them. And while we recognize that in the physical sense, the hope that we have as believers, as followers of Jesus, as God's children, the hope that we have is vastly different than what the ancient Near Eastern worlds outside of Israel would have been experiencing because they, they're, they're facing this quest for eternal life, meaning they're trying to find some sort of magic or, or whatever. But what we know is that eternal life comes from having a relationship with God. And it's through Jesus that we're able to have that relationship with God. And so this quest for eternal life, our lives spiritually live on way past the, t- the time that we leave our earthly bodies. And so there's an investment, there's a kind of wealth that we can take with us into the next world. And that is the things that we do that we are living for the Lord. Um, of course, you know, there's things that we can do with our money and our finances and bless other people while we're here and make an impact that way, leaving a legacy. But at the end of the day, our, our physical wealth is something that we're going to leave behind. And so what is left at the end of that? What is left for us to rely on is it's those things that are going to have eternal impact. The things that God has called us to do and equipped us and empowered us to do, those are the things that are going to have the impact and, and remain into the next life. And, you know, that hope, that knowledge um, that we have, it was vastly different than what other cultures would have believed. Like the ancient Mesopotamians, they may have believed in like a continued existence after death, but it wasn't life in any sense of the term. They would have um, thought to become shadows or, or ghosts or existing in the underworld. And there was a whole mythology based around that, but it would not be in the same sense of what we believe as far as having eternal life. And so there was a huge difference between the way that we would go about it versus the way that they would go about it. And because there was an association between wealth and the wickedness of, of people, the reference to the wealthy a lot of times is is synonymous with the wicked. And, you know, that's not necessarily something that we would 100% agree with today in the sense that our culture is different. Um Back then, if you were to be wealthy, it was because of the result of taking advantage of people that were not. And so there was, it was very, very rare to have wealth that was gained honestly. It was very, very rare to have wealth that was earned 
um, by living a righteous life. Now that's not obviously this, the same as it is for us today, but I think that we can still kind of understand that perspective a little bit because there are a lot of people that do gain their wealth by unscrupulous means. There are a lot of people that do take advantage of others to get to that place of platform or wealth or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's not like it's completely lost on us, but it is a little bit different. It's, and I, I think I say that because, um, I say this all the time. Sometimes when we read things, it is descriptive and sometimes it's prescriptive. And so what I don't want you to do is take away this idea that if you're wealthy, you're evil. That's not the case at all. But what it is saying is that in this culture, in this time frame, when it was originally written, that most often was the case. And the caution for us is that we would guide and guard our hearts against um, gaining wealth and platform building and social media building and all that kind of stuff. We would guard against the temptation to build that in a way that is not um, reflective of, of righteousness or the way that God would have us live our lives. I think over and over what we're seeing in the news cycles and with different celebrities is just this um, unveiling almost of how there's a lot of people that have these huge platforms and have these, you know, uh, they're famous and they have lots of wealth and they have done it by selling their souls essentially and, and doing it in a way that is really, really evil. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. And not that it's even for those that are pursuing great wealth, but even just like getting ahead at your job, are you doing that because you've stepped on your teammates and, or you've manipulated things or you've lied about things or are you getting there because you have put the work in and you've been rewarded over time? I think that's the, the key thing that we can kind of hone in on for this, um, for this psalm because it helps serve as a reminder that, you know, yesterday we talked about the highest place in our heart belongs to God. Um, and if we're pursuing some of those things, fame or wealth or platform or any of that, and we're not doing that with this idea of giving that highest place in our life to God, then what are we doing it for? Um, you know, one of the things that they always tell you, even in ministry, is that you can't allow, you can't, you can't get to a place where your character can't s sustain you. Like, that's a dangerous place to be. You can't allow that to happen. You have to kind of keep up in the sense of making sure that your character is developing at the same time that everything else in your life is developing. You can't leave that part behind because otherwise what will happen is you might progress when it comes to things like platform or job career success or whatever it is. But if your character hasn't grown along with you, then it's only going to be temporary before that all falls apart. Like it's not sustainable. And so uh, that's what I take away when, when I read through these verses and that's the understanding that I have because that is so relevant to the world that we live in today. You see a lot of these, um, even young people that have gotten social media fame rather quickly but yet there's been no character development in the meantime. And then once they have those platforms, I mean, p with cancel culture, all it takes is one bad decision or one bad tweet and, and they're done. Um, and, and that's because there's no sustainable character there to keep them in that place once they've reached that goal. 
In fact, that's what verse 20 says. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. And I think it's important important to point out that wealth, when it's talking about wealth, the word for wealth here is talking about more than just material riches. Um, it's kind of obvious, I think, in this psalm, but it's involving this attitude of the heart toward wealth that magnifies the material and then depreciates the spiritual. And so wealth is not just money, but it's this pursuit of something that is focusing and magnifying that lifestyle or that posture of um, fame or you know, a bank account or career, but then it's decreasing this need for spiritual growth and character. And it, at the time that this was written, you know, there was, there was a world that they were a part of that included things like pharaohs who thought that their wealth would provide them this afterlife that would be comfortable and that their riches would remain with them in the afterlife. And obviously we know that's not true. I mean, every week I feel like we keep hearing about all of these tombs in Egypt they keep finding that are filled with all these riches and treasures. And like King Tut's tomb had all of these objects that the Egyptians thought would be helpful in the afterlife. And of course, they're just sitting there and they're not, you know, they're not doing anything. And so that's kind of the audience um, that the psalmist is speaking to is people that have been exposed to that kind of thinking and that kind of culture. And he's essentially saying like, look, that's not what it's all about. What it's all about is living a life that is pursuing God and God's righteousness. And while there might be some temporary pleasure by having wealth, it, it can be to your detriment in the long term. And, and that's not going to save you in the long term. And this idea that um, wealth and power seem to go hand in hand is something that the psalm is trying to deal with because that gives this false security. Wealth gives false security and power gives false security. And so what we know is that at the end of life, we're all going to be faced with the same predicament. I mean, life ends whether we're ready for it or not. And this idea that there is security in wealth is so temporary. And so that's what he's he's doing. He's pointing to this idea that um, the solution is found in God redeeming us. The solution is found in our relationship with God. And there's never a payment that could be enough other than the payment that Jesus made on the cross. And so um, the reality is, is we all deserve death because we have all sinned, but it is through Jesus and him paying our debt, our sin debt on the cross that we can even have this relationship with God. And so our investments, because we know that death is a reality, our investments in this life have to be eternal investments. And, you know, I think I have gotten caught up in this before. I think if we're honest, most of us have. You know, even with the podcast, God called me to do the podcast. And one of the things that I started doing was trying to think of all these extra things that I should be doing along with the podcast 
because um, I think that's that's what's expected. Um, you know, there's pressure to develop courses and there's pressure to maybe do a mastermind class or there's pressure to be super active on social media and grow your platform. And, and of course I, especially since the the podcast has been growing, have been guilty of kind of getting sucked into all of that. And, and as I was trying to, like, I'm just not a social media person. You guys know that I've talked about that before. I just, I'm an in-person person. I'm not necessarily a social media person, but as I was trying to develop some sort of like, strategy or roadmap for social media in the next year for 2023, I found myself just like realizing what am I doing this for? Like, am I pushing so hard on this because it's what God has called me to do? Or am I pushing on this because this is what the world is expecting of me? And, and if it were to be successful and if it were to really take off, so what? And, and I got to this place where I recognized like maybe, okay, maybe it would be a bigger platform or maybe it would be more money, but what would I even do with more money? I, our goal of, of, of having more money is to help more people, of course, um, or to have more opportunities to spend more time with my family, whether it's going on trips or something like that. But, but then again, it would be taking me away from my family because it would be taking more hours to even run something like that. So I kind of put myself in check and recognize like, am, what am I, what am I doing? I need to stay room and remain focused on what it is that God has called me to do. And God has called me to do this podcast and to write, and that's it. And so whether those other things happen or not, I need to let go of them. Would they increase my platform? Probably. I mean, a lot of people have, have done that, but I'm, it's not about platform. It's about the kingdom. It's about investing in eternity. It's about building things that last and that will leave a legacy. And my hope is that through the podcast, um, and I think this is starting to happen because I'm getting emails from people, that, that it will help point you closer to Jesus, that it will help you understand how to hear God's voice more clearly. And you can't put a price on that. You can't put a platform on that because the platform is making Jesus famous. The platform is pointing people to him, not to me. And so I I don't know if that's where you're at, um, even if it's not where you're at now, but maybe where you've been in the past. I I think the encouragement here is to have wisdom and to view it through the lens of eternity, storing up, you know, talks about the scriptures talk about storing up our treasures in heaven. That really needs to be our focus versus pursuing wealth and fame and power for the sake of comfort in this life, because at the end of it, none of it's going to last anyway. So I'm going to start over. I'm going to read Psalm 49 again, starting with verse one. Hear this, all you peoples, listen all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches, no man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough that he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. 
Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper, he will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. God, help us to pursue riches in heaven, treasures in heaven, in a way that helps us to build things that have eternal impact. God, help us to let go of the things that perhaps we've been chasing in this world, wealth or fame or platform or power. God, help us to recognize that all of that is nothing but temporary and it's wasted energy to be chasing those things. God, help us instead to have a longing to chase the things of you, the things that you would have us do in this world to make an impact and a legacy spiritually so that as we continue to work towards those things, you can use them. We surrender those things to you, God, right now. And Lord, I ask for forgiveness in my own life. And I probably represent a lot of people that have fallen into that trap of of chasing what this world offers. But God, we want to chase you and what you have to offer. So Lord, I ask for forgiveness. I ask you to keep our hearts in check when we are starting to get off track. God, would you remind us through your spirit, would you help us to hear your voice more clearly when it comes to um, pursuing the things that are temporary as opposed to pursuing the things that are eternal? We thank you and praise you for revealing these things through your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, I want to tell you about a new resource that I just found that I'm really actually loving. It's called the Spiral Bible. And you guys know me, I'm all about resources to help you get in the word because we know that the more that you are engaging with the Bible, the more that the Bible engages you. It's the primary way that God speaks to us. And so the Spiral Bible is essentially a Bible and a notebook all in one. It has pages that lay flat, just like a spiral binding notebook would do. And it's really the word of God for note takers. And so it's similar to some of the other resources we have, but it's much, much bigger. And also it is the first time I've found something like this in the King James version, which a lot of you have asked for. And so you can underline, write, highlight, doodle, draw, journal, all the things. And it helps you get more out of God's word and dig deeper into the scriptures. You can concentrate while you're reading and focus on what God's saying to you. And then also you can take notes to help organize your thoughts while you're reading. It I find that that really helps increase your memory retention and it helps your comprehension of scripture, which is the whole point. It's the reason why we do everything at She Hears and through the Hearing Jesus podcast. So if you would like a copy of one, uh, I will put a link in the show notes today. And then also I will put some uh, video and some photos of, of that on my Instagram if you want to see what it looks like. And I'll put a link there too if you want to check it out. They have all different... 
covers, which I, you know, the cover, it's open. It's like a notebook and you're writing in it most of the time. But they have, of course, they sent me a pink one. Um, I love it. But there's all different colors you can choose from. There's different versions you can choose from. You can do just like one book of the Bible. The one that I have is the entire New Testament. But I'll put it on my social media so you can see it. And again, I think it's a great resource, especially if you're somebody that has been looking for something like that in the King James Version. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.